Well, hello there, Queen Freaks. It's your old Uncle Randy with our sloppy English cousin, Kevin. Welcome to Seaside Pod Review. Crank up your earbuds and listen to us fools as we rattle on and on about a random song from one of the most diverse bands in rock and roll history. Kiss, Kevy. Hey, Kev, what's uh, what's going on tonight? Not much, mate. We're recording on a different night, so it's, it's not bowling night for me. Bowling night was yesterday for me. Yeah, we are getting to this a little bit later uh, than we normally do, and, uh, and I, I'm afraid I'll have to take the heat for that because I was on the road uh, all day getting to uh, the lovely town of Flinflon, which I have talked about before, which we shall not go on about uh, because it is a dreadful place, and <laughs> I'm only here because someone is paying me to be here. Uh, but so beyond that, uh, yeah. So uh, shooting some uh, shooting some playoff hockey, and uh, I would like for my listeners to note that I did not say ice hockey because hockey, here we go again. Hockey is always played on the ice, so, unless you know- unless otherwise stated. And I'll hear nothing from you. Englishman. So you're gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna ram, you're not gonna go on and on and on about flimflam, but you are gonna fucking bring this up again, are we? Well, I just think it needs it bears repeating because you know people like you are walking around saying fucking ice hockey, and it just ain't right. Okay, I just feel like it's my duty as a Canadian. All right, you know that, that's one of the fundamental components of comedy, Randy's repetition. You know what one of the other ones is mm. timing. So you know that's that's another very important one. So get your timing and your repetition right, and you too, sir, can be a comedian. In no time. Well, I'll say, you know, if there's anything about you, Kev, your timing is impeccable. <laughs> yeah. My wife's always said. <laughs> my wife. Categorically untrue. My wife. <laughs> or as Adam Buxton always says on his podcast, my wife. <laughs> nice. So as Kev and I were just briefly talking uh Uh, beforehand i'm drinking a very lovely beer brewed in the fine province of manitoba what do you have in there kev i have got which will surprise you a little bit because i think we've had conversations about this lately uh, a new england ipa by blackbridge brewery Mm, that's you know i would say it is a fine fine beer it is and it's pretty fresh right now and they've changed the label so if you're ever looking for the um the yellow the the traditional yellow label of the anchor it's now sort of a a pinky orangey kind of tone now. So yeah. Interesting. Which is not really much use for any of our listeners because none of them live here. No, no, it's not, which kind of made me wonder why the fuck you even went there, but that's okay. <laughs> you you started it. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You invaded Poland. <laughs> uh, well, you know what, Randy? Before we get to the uh the Twitter poll. Or the, the Twitter poll. I did. Yeah. I don't know if you saw over the weekend. I did a, a, a bracket. They call it a bracket. So I put up sixteen Queen album covers, the fifteen canonical albums, and Live Killers, and did four groups of four and got people to vote. The top two went through the semifinals. I then did two post the semifinals, obviously because that's what the uh, semi denotes. And then the uh, the four album covers, Randy, that went through to the final were Queen Two, Innuendo, News of the World, and Day at the Races. And News of the World came out on top with 44.3% of 
of the 61 votes. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's I think that's pretty excellent. And I wouldn't really have expected too much different. Uh, and yeah, it looks like Queen 2 was a very close second at 33%, hey? And it's funny, you know, I mean, those two... I don't know how you really argue against those two being the being one and two. Innuendo's a really, really good design, and it's, you know, the old the artwork from Granville, and they colorized it and sort of, you know, made that um, a theme throughout the, the rest of the album artwork and the singles and things. So it's super, super cool, but it's just so iconic. The robot Frank on News of the World is is just killer. Yeah, so, uh, and what did you say? That's from what? Ground? Ground? What's that? Uh, Granville is the name of the artist who did Innuendo. Oh, Granville. I thought you said Groundville. But and so and Granville is a famous artist. I'm unaware of him. So he is, yeah. Very, very old one. An old French artist. He was a satirist. Like he used mm. to do a lot of stuff about the guillotine and French politics and lots of li- like lithographs and online drawings and things. Very cool guy. Good artwork. Oh. You'd, you'd like it, I think. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I was unaware of that. But it's cool. So the the, the news of the world artwork, the the robot Frank there, which um, you know what I should try. Just give me one second here. I'm I'm now, folks. I'm now showing Randy the full piece of art. Mm. This was so basically the artwork was done originally um, by a sci-fi artist, Frank, which is whether I won't guess his name, uh, Kelly Freeze, Um, and so he'd done this piece of art for uh, Astounding Fiction. It was called. I'll just maybe I'll just I'll drag that over to this monitor. You can see so you can see there. So Astounding Fiction, and Roger Taylor, being the the nerd that he is, um, had this magazine. Or had this issue of this magazine and thought that that would be a really, really cool cover. So he got um, Freeze to redesign it with the Queen band members instead of the, uh, the the one person, right? So the neat thing is that on the album cover, because of where the gatefold lines up, you don't see Roger until you flip it over onto the back. And then when you go inside, then we get this fantastic look inside that auditorium where the robot's reaching in to grab the crowd. So I don't know, it's just very, very cool, very iconic artwork. I love it. Was this, uh, we had talked about this maybe in an earlier episode. Did this not come with a, a fold-out, this album, with the artwork? Oh, yeah, I think it did. I think yeah. it originally did, yeah. Um, yeah. Jazz definitely came with a, with a, a photograph of a lot of naked ladies on bicycles. Um, but, yeah, I think this one did. I think it did come with the, with the fold-out. No, I don't have that on the, the vinyl copy that I have because I have a, an old pressing and the... The fold-out is long, long gone, probably on someone's wall from a kid and, and lost to the annals of history. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. But we did do a poll about last week's track, Doing All Right. Um, and we were split on this one. You bit the dust. You said this one bit the dust, and I voted it a champion. How did the poll? What did the people say, Randy? Well, I would say that the people overwhelmingly voted erroneously uh, with you <laughs> at 92.6%. And then the people that were correct voted with me at 7.4%. So I would say, by and large, I'm vindicated. So, uh... <laughs> well, I would say that whatever, whatever that number is, 64, uh, 64 Queen fans can't be wrong, Randy. <laughs> uh, as, as discussed, you know, before, uh, you know, I just sort of call them as I see them and, yeah. and I, you know, and, and I realize I'm going to be trampling on, on some people's favorite songs. So, uh, you know, thanks for sticking around and putting up with us just the same. Yeah. Steve at Queen Rock says, Mr. Randy's reasoning for biting the dust on this one was sound, articulate and intelligent. 
but he's incorrect <laughs> and on the wrong side of history. <laughs> Not on the wrong side of this vote, on the wrong side of history. <laughs> yeah. With the Nazis and Pol Pot, and that's what you're, oh. that's you're on the wrong side of history, mate. <laughs> Oh man, that's like way on the more on the wrong side that I was ever thinking it might possibly <laughs> Some be. Beer. <laughs> uh, Nikki says, "Love this song in all its forms, except maybe that weird Frankenstein one from the film, the the uh, biopic." Uh, but the bits with Roger singing are my favorite bits. Something about the graveliness. Blagpie, the bridge from Smile to Queen, Staffel and Vokes and Bass showcases Brian's skills, gentle melody, rhythmic underscoring, and loud metal. Plus, there are some gorgeous harmonies. I can see how it feels like two songs cut and pasted, but Mr. Randy needs to give his head a wobble. Have you heard, <laughs> have you heard that expression before? What's that? Give your head a wobble? Oh, well, give your head a shake. Yeah, yeah I'm assuming okay. it means the same damn thing. Just a different yeah. word, Kev. Yeah. We're speaking the same language over here, buddy. <laughs> I don't know, Oscar Wilde, what did Oscar Wilde say? We're uh, to, you know, North America or something about America principally, but cult two cultures divided by a common language. Yeah, well... There's a lot of truth of that. And uh, a bit of Klingon again for you, Randy. Kyle Anderson says, Randy's wrong, Kevin is right. Kapla, Kevin. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, PJ at New Mercury says, champion song. You can see why Queen wanted to use it, although I'd like to have them doing Step On Me as a B-side or something. Yeah, so, so that's another one of the, it's one of the, that's one of the sort of the, the cuts from Small, so. Sure, yeah. It just all seems uh, like uh, silliness to me because I don't know what the hell that is, but uh, thanks, mm -hmm. PJ. <laughs> uh, and then our pals in Australia, Queen Rocks, Queen Rocks AU, a champion despite the substandard production and sound quality. Not a fan of the drum sound on the first Queen album, and the tape hiss and guitar sound and levels on this track are a bit iffy. But the track itself shines through and is a great early Queen multi movement tune. And then we're getting that. We are getting a hot take next. Yeah, EM Ling. It's a champion, but Staffel did a better job than Mercury. But that's natural. He wrote the song. Well, there you go. I just couldn't disagree more. I mean, I just could <laughs> not. I, I really just literally, I, Tim Staffel, great songwriter, you know, good singer. He's not Freddie Mercury. I mean, come on, give me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> come on, EM, EM, give you a Ewan, I think it's, I think it's pronounced Ewan. Give you a head of wobble. <laughs> uh, Ian Wick, our pal, uh, who's our displaced Irish friend who lives in Germany. Says this song is one of the high points on the first album for me, particularly when Brian's guitar comes in like a battering ram and then the drums kick in. Rock and roll. <laughs> Lisa Malloy, I voted champion, but parts of the song I don't like. The jury doing all right melody. Love the rest. Uh, by the way, Randy pronounces Staffel correctly, which yeah. I really like it. I really like it when people point out my general correctness, Kevin. Take note, <laughs> all right, buddy? <laughs> I like this one too, Curtis Sparkles. Who doesn't pull punches? Uh, totally great song. It does sound a bit of a construct, but fuck it. It's a winner in my book. It's fucking 70s queen. What's not to like? That Canadian weirdo needs a boot in the ass. So again, if we're talking about consensus, Randy, you know. Well, and I do believe, I, t I, I think I respond to that one saying, only if it's a frozen boot in the ass. That's the only way it'll ever take. <laughs> you know. And if, well, and if you come over here right now, it's been pissing down snow again today. In Saskatoon, at least. I don't know where, what it's like in Flim Flom, but we're not quite up to our arse in it, but we're up to our ankles in it. No, it's it's tropical in Flim Flon, so I feel bad for you down in Saskatoon there. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Ruddy Rutherford, it's a show of intent for the future. It's dynamic, it's powerful, it's just brilliant. This was written and performed by Smile, 
shows that the group isn't just Freddie and his backing band, which I love that quote, champion yeah. every day of the week. And that's, you know, there's a few comments then from the back of this. Paul Bradbury says basically the same thing. Alex Small says the same thing, that what we're getting here is one of those early sort of, you know, forays into, and I think I said this even on the episode, right, is that foray into, can we write this multi-part ambitious song? Um, is it a bit too too choppy because it's so short and they're putting too much into it? That's where that discussion, but... You know, a lot of people say the same thing. I think that's why a lot of uh, Queen fans do like it is because it sort of foreshadows what's going to come later on. Yeah, and I and I get that too. I'm not denying that. Yeah. Rob Maher, Champion, probably the weakest song from uh, side one of Queen, but can't downvote anything before the final two tracks. Randy's right to say it's nostalgia, but that's why we're here. And of course, that is why we're here. So yeah, thanks, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I even, I've said that on a couple of songs, right? That I'm voting them champion based off memories, how they make me feel, not really on the necessary, the quality of the song itself. Well, I mean, let's be honest, music is emotion and, 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 and we're, that's how we base our feel, our feelings and our decisions on it. So, and I'm coming at some of these, uh, not from that. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lynn Davidson says every song on the first three albums is a champion. Now that's again, that's a strong call because there's at least a couple tracks from Queen that I, I'm not sure how I'm going to vote on yet. I don't know. Like I, I feel sort of again that nostalgia for those first three albums, but every song a champion. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, uh, P at uh, looks like P seventy, absolute belter every version. So yeah, hey, there's a there's a straight up fan of that tune, despite who sings it. And I think we should say um, we should say it's P underscore 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 seven zero. I think that's sure. probably the way that's pronounced. I would say. Wouldn't I, you? I would say. So. Yeah, I was just trying to abbreviate it, you know, for time. But if you want, we could do that next time. We'll just you know, <laughs> P underscore 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 seventy. <laughs> no, no, seven zero seven zero. Oh, oh, seven zero. Okay. Quite double seven. It's not ooh seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, uh, the the camp. That's the camp uh, secret agent. Eight. Ooh, seven. Ooh. Uh, Dieter at My Chameleon Day says, champion, an early song with all the right ingredients, pop, ballad, rocker, rolled into one and served with Freddie's amazing vocal. I love it. Uh, Richard Hearn says, uh, it's got to be a champion. Yes, it's queen, pre-queen, still finding their feet, but perfectly sits on the excellent side one of queen. So there you go. Uh, Rob Hatton, I love this track, and I love that it must give a nice little Christmas bonus in Tim Staffel's pocket every year. I love how calm and beautifully it starts out before Brian's super heavy power chords come out of nowhere to take it to the next level. Small version is also great, and we didn't listen to small version, so maybe I'll send that to you offline, and we can, you can have a get you give it a listen. Sure, you bet. Uh, Steve Ursel says, "Hey, good episode, thank you. Uh, thought this one would be a slam dunk champion. Respect to Randy for calling it as he hears it, but the song rocks, and I love it. Yeah, hey, thanks, Stephen." Got to respect that. Uh, Hugh Jenkins, one of my absolute favorite. Brian Riffs will always be a champion for me, of course. Loads of other bands have done the quiet verse, loud chorus thing, but this track still does it for me. And I think you'd commented on that one too, Randy. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I said, uh, yeah, a lot of 90s grunge bands bought houses playing quiet versus loud choruses. Well, and that's uh, and they and they all ripped that off from the Pixies, really. I mean, you know, the Pixies were, the, were the, the template for those guys and Pixies got it from Queen and all the bands that did it before them. And, hey, and so, Kev, goes, you know so goes the carousel of music. It's all just a little bit of history repeating. Absolutely. 
Darren Halliwell, Champion, an excellent song on the first side of the album. The live version is great also. Yeah, the live version is good. Our friend Ben here says, this song is a real crown jewel and is a part of Queen's history. It's definitively a champion. The live versions from 76 and 77 are even better than the studio versions. Yeah, and he posted one live at Earl's Court, and man, that's such a great venue, such an iconic venue. That's where I saw Pink Floyd on the Division Bell tour, and it's a superb, I, superb, superb arena. I gotta be, uh, I gotta be honest with you, Kev. I'm quite jealous that you got to see Queen, or, uh, Pink, Floyd. Pink Floyd there. Yeah. Oh man, it was so good, so good. And I was a casual fan till then. Wow. Probably not after him. Hey? No, love Pink Floyd now, which I know not all, not everyone does. Um, on Facebook, we're going to go to Facebook and we'll do a few of these, Randy. Uh, Jeremy Walpole says, listened earlier today, very enjoyable. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Uh, doing all right is simple stuff, but it has all the things I love about Queen. It's on my favorites playlist, so a champion for me. Andrew Shaw, champion. I agree with everything Russell Watkins says about the track. There's just something warm about it, despite the edgy bits. Queen One songs... Don't have uh, uh, don't get a lot of airtime on my playlist, but this track usually gets the full run through when it comes on. Worth noting, the alternate version of the song with Roger singing the final verse is pretty cool as well. Final thought: Brian's descending chord work on the song live is so 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 slick, very nice. And that's what you, we've talked about lots too, right? Where you know the, the, the way you write a song and you perform it in the studio isn't necessarily always the same way you're going to end up playing it two years later down you know two years down the road. Quite often, is not yes. It's an evolution, Randy. It's an evolution. Oh, sorry, no, evolution doesn't exist, right? It was all Jesus, right? So, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. God, Jesus, yeah. I keep forgetting that uh, Jesus is around. Anyhow. Well, he's around on this album. You just, you just, haven't, met, you just haven't met him yet. Although I, I, think I think actually it's Jesus on the album, so we'll, we'll, get, to that. we'll get to that later. Um, Russell Watkins, who Andrew was talking about there, says, it's a champion for me. It has a charm with the lovely piano intro, bluesy guitar, and Freddie's youthful vocals. Brian's heavy guitar is pretty abrasive after the final verse. With no build-up, it still surprises me. <laughs> uh yeah nick croft's chant for me it's quintessential queen early example of what was to follow the massive epics like bohemian rhapsody etc love the heavy section and the blistering guitar work what's not to love about the debut album from 73 uh that was me who suggested mr randy needs to listen to the full run through of the songs without the stop and starts well hey nick thanks for that and we've been doing that uh I do believe since you suggested it, and uh, I do believe it does help. So, yeah, thanks for that. And Alexander Rice says, I'm going against my fellow Canadian, Mr. Randy. This one is a champion for me. Hang on a minute. I'm a Canadian as well, you know, people. I do have my I do have my Canadian passport, you know, even though I've got this stupid accent. I am a Canadian. Yeah, but you're, yeah, you're not, like, you're not the real type. Not a real deal? No. I'm like, what, am I like fucking Kiefer Sutherland or something? <laughs> a plastic no. Canuck? No, you're not. You know, you're not even like Kiefer level. You're <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're all right. You can stick around. Uh, he says, yeah, this one is champion for me. Definitely not top tier, but as Kevin mentioned, it's an early example of Queen's signature sound with Brian's guitar, the incredible harmonies, and Freddie's youthful tone. So there we go. That's our social media, Andy. One sec here, Kev. Before you wrap this, I would just like to thank everybody who offered uh, condolences for the loss of my uh, fellow bandmates, uh, Dave Upwards, uh, Dave Oldland upwards, uh, conga player, political junkie, and just a heck of a good guy. His memorial will be uh, sometime at the end of this month. But anyhow, so thank you so much for your condolences. Appreciate it. Um, and I got to see, I was very fortunate to see Dave play a handful of times. And again, just the life and soul of, of, of a band, right? Like 
talk about the love of music that's that's a guy who embodied it so yeah you could hardly knock the smile off of his face when he was playing so should we spin this wheel kev or what well, yeah if we want to knock smiles off faces let's spin this stupid fucking wheel that's the that's the way to do it <laughs> it's the fucking um, bane of our existence here at, uh, well i'm gonna i'm gonna go first i'm gonna tell you what i want to listen to first oh, well I, w- I would appreciate that so i was looking through there are three albums still that we have not had a song from randy we're 22 episodes in or 23 episodes in what are we 22 or 23 23 i think and we don't have anything yet from the works a kind of magic or the miracle now we did that sort of um outtake from the miracle but i'm not counting that one because it wasn't on the album so i still want to listen to give me the prize but i'm not going to manifest that this week i am going to ask the wheel to be kind and give us scandal from the miracle what Mm. would you like to listen to well what i'd like to hear is Ride the Wild Wind from Innuendo. Oh, there we go. Why? Why? Because I saw it in the list. <laughs> and you don't know it. <laughs> and I don't know it. <laughs> That's fair enough. So we're going, we're going 80s and 90s. We're, we're both sort of heading into the, the latest stuff rather than the early stuff. So let's, let's see what the wheel gives us. You know, at some point, one of us has got to call our shot, right? Do you, um, think, do you think at some point we'll actually, one of us will actually nail it? Well, Corey Morissette from the, um, and the podcast will rock. Uh, podcast has called this shot naturally twice already and the very last episode his co-host mark kamire called this shot for the first time and we they did um right now the van halen tune right now which is i think is a fucking cool tune so anyway Mm. let's see let's see if one of us will be ever so lucky okay well hang on a second i got one quick thing i want to say so i think if one of us gets it right Mm -hmm. Corey morissette must immediately send a four pack of beer to each of us <laughs> you heard me, Corey. Uh, I'll give you my address when it when it happens. So give me a second. I'm, just gonna, I'm actually just going to message Corey quickly because I know he's online. All right, let's spin this thing and see what we get. Round and round and round she goes, and where she stops, not well. We'll know eventually, or, or fairly quickly. Oh, we're getting a big one, Randy. Yeah, we're not getting that we call. We did not call our shot, so Corey is off the hook. Um. But what song, Randy, are we talking about this evening? Well, I'm going to say, although Corey may be off the hook, he can still send me a four-pack anytime. (laughs) But tonight, we have Fat Bottom Girls off of the album Jazz. Hmm. Very interesting. I don't think I've ever heard the song before. Uh, (laughs) I don't really know if I'm going to like it. Uh, I hope it's not derogatory to women. Well, we're going to be getting into plenty of that, I think. So, oh, Corey just got back to me, Randy. He says a four pack in Canada B usually comes in multiples of six. Didn't they cover <laughs> that on the citizenship exam? <laughs> and, and tell him he's on. So, <laughs> so we missed we missed our we missed our chance tonight. You know, I don't know if this if this offer holds um, indefinitely, but there you go. All right, fair enough. I was just a skinny lad. I never knew no good from bad. <laughs> But did you know life before you left your nursery? That's the question. Oh, I, I didn't, you know. <laughs> left alone. With who? <laughs> well, you know, some people that could have <laughs> ate better and made some better choices. I was such, I was a very naughty laddie, though. I mean. I think we're, I think, I think we're rewriting the lyrics here to sort of get it more contemporary, <laughs> aren't we? Straight out of the gate. Okay, well, what we should do, Randy, is we should fuck off and do all our little bits and pieces and then come back and talk about this song. What do you think? Roger Dodger. Perfect. And now a word from this week's sponsor. 
Randy Woods School for people who don't sing good and want to be able to sing and do other musical stuff good too is now accepting applicants. Be the beneficiary of world-renowned instructors and mentors who have trained legendary artists the world over. For example, listen to the vocal performance of Freddie Mercury before and after he was trained by Winston Bivouac Gyroscope III. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. Spur him his life from his monstrosity. No, no, no. You must control the diaphragm. Enunciate. Let your vocal be an extension of your soul. Sing from the heart. Sing with conviction. Spread your wings and sing, sing, sing. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. Sparing his life from this monstrosity. Yes, yes, yes. Now you have it, my boy. Randy Wood School for people who don't sing good and want to be able to sing and do other musical stuff good too. Apply today. So this song it comes in at 4 minutes 16. It's written by Mr. Brian May. It has all the usual subjects playing on it. Recorded at Mountain Studios in Montreux in uh, 78 with uh, in Super Bear Studios also in 78. Produced by Queen Roy, uh, Roy Thomas Baker. I would like to just add here uh, that it was uh, recorded in drop D tuning, which uh, Brian had done a few times, specifically in the Prophet song, which, you know, Uncle Randy took quite a bit of heat on. Uh, but, you know, I got to be honest, I think Brian did a lot better uh, job uh, writing a song in drop D this time than he did before. <laughs> but uh, anyhow. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's another one of those songs like Somebody to Love and like, you know, anything off the greatest hits really that it's just part of your DNA. If you're a queen fan, this song, you know, it inside out, right? This is a song that you can, as soon as it comes on within the first, literally the first second, you know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bit, there's, there's the great bit during the intro where they do the, the clap where, when me and Emma, my youngest daughter listens to that in the, in our, in the van, when we're driving around, when that bit comes on, we both just clap. And it's great when other people are in the van with us who don't know if they're not expecting it because we always just go into it sort of, you know, semi-consciously. So it's just one of those songs that's got kind of got a, like a, you know, an association for me on top of the the nostalgic part as well. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's off. It's one of the things that's, you know, kind of interesting, maybe slash cool about this song is that it's got that reference to uh, get on your bikes and ride. So mm-hmm. you've got the double A side single. So Bicycle Race and Fat Bottom Girls. And they kind of reference each other because, you know, fat bottom girls will be riding today on bicycle race and getting your bikes and riding fat bottom girls. So they, if there's that nice little cross-pollination, which would obviously would have been done, one would have been recorded later than the other. So they've gone back and sort of dubbed that vocal over top or put the line in. So I like that sort of um, the symbiosis, Randy. That's the word I'm going to use. I'm going to throw a big word out on a Wednesday night between the two. Well, that's, a, that's definitely a $10 word for a $2 situation. But I didn't realize that this was uh, written about groupies either. Cause I mean, I know the song well and, uh, but Hey, I'm assuming that uh, I'm assuming that a queen had their fair share of groupies. Oh God. Yeah. Now, there's a, an interview from uh, 1982. Brian said that, you know, they lost a lot of people with that because, you know, they said, how could you do it? It doesn't go with your spiritual side. I said, my answer to that is that the physical side is just as much a part of a person as the spiritual or intellectual side. It's fun. I'll make no apologies. All music skirts around sex, sometimes very directly. 
well, not all. I mean, you know, there's some stuff. There's some stuff doesn't. You know, Coldplay doesn't. I think uh, Coldplay doesn't skirt around sex. It skirts around catatonic. Catatonia is that a word? Catatonia. I don't know. (laughs) I joke. I I think. I joke. No, I think my aunt went on vacation one time to uh, (laughs) (laughs) Catatonia. No, no, you're thinking. You're thinking of Sweden. (laughs) Oh, oh, no shit! It was Sweden. Fuck. But it's it's near though. It's near. He goes on to say, right, all, all, all music skirts around sex sometimes very directly. Ours doesn't. In our music, sex is either implied or referred to semi-jokingly, but it's always there. Well, it turns out he is a member of Queen, so he should know. I think he should know. He should know better, is what he should know, Randy. And we're going to get it. We'll get into the local content of this song, obviously, because there's plenty of uh, fat to chew on these bones. But should we listen to a bit of Fat Bottom Girls, as if we don't uh, know it like the backs of our hands? Mm-hmm. I think we should. You know, in uh, in Spinal Tap, when they're on about, you know, how much more black could the album be? And the answer is none more black. None more black. This yeah. is this is none more Queen to me. Like that vocal harmony is it, nothing else in the world sounds like that. No one sounds like that. Only Queen. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say because we we talk lots about about it sounding very Queen like, and uh, you know, but but I would agree with you 100. percent I don't know if there's any more definitive sound than than that for for, Rack, for queen you know intro yeah gotta love that panning hey mm-hmm. nothing yeah, at all on the left channel yeah yeah, hard pan, and then that other guitar comes in, and it's like, oh. <laughs> do you remember the first time you heard this? Probably not, mm. hey? Uh, yeah, I can't say that I do, no. No, I, I would have been a, I'd have been a skinny lad skinny myself. Lad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, that's one of those things that, you, you know, people say, oh, if you had a time machine, what would you do? I kind of want to see my face the first time I listened to Fat Bottom Girls or <laughs> Black Dog by Zep or, you know, I don't know, fucking get it on by T-Rex. Just to, just to watch a kid's face the first time they hear that in their ears would be so fucking cool, man. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this. I knew right away the first time I heard it, I thought it was fucking cool. <laughs> I've always loved how Freddie drops his voice on that last me, like he leans right into the the soupiness of that last that last syllable. It's so fucking rad, man. I love his vocal on this song. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what's not to love? As a guitarist too, I mean, I'm I'm sure that every fucking guitarist who listens to rock and roll has at some point sat down and just tried to play this riff because I mean, it's not a super complicated riff, but there's enough in there that makes it interesting, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and I think more than anything. You know, t- tonight I'm listening on earbuds because I'm not in my studio, but uh, I know the song well enough. You know, it's it's almost as much about his tone 
as about what what he's playing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And of course, you know, his timing and rhythm is all like it's all impeccable. But it's just that you know, you know, Brian's tone that he got out of. I'm assuming it's his the red special here. It's going to be his red special. It, it yeah. just sounds yeah, it's just so good. Do you know what Kev? And I don't because I, I don't. Do you know what kind of amplifiers he played, or did he switch them up, or do you know? Oh, fuck me, that's a good question. That's something that I should definitely know, and I don't think that I do. Well, I don't either, but you know what? We can look into that. That'd be interesting to know what kind of amps he's used throughout the years. Uh, oh, well, yeah. It's the little one that I think the, the copy that you've got, right? The Vox AC30. Mm. It's kind of the, I think that's the, one of the main re- studio amps, I think. I don't know if that's, maybe it's touring amp too, but let's look into that. You know what we should do, Randy? What we'll do is we'll hold a couple, we'll hold our hands up and cop to it and say, you know what? We're not sure. And we'll put mm-hmm. it out to our listeners. Listeners, tell us, give us a rig rundown on Brian May's amps. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be somebody that knows better than us. Just fucking dirty, man. That tone, yeah. It, it, that drop D definitely gives it a. It gives it because your strings are going to be slacker for starters, right? So it's going to change. It just changes the frequency of the note of, of the strings. <laughs> astute, astute observation, Kev. <laughs> because that's exactly what it does. Is it drops the uh, the frequency range of those speakers, uh, of the speakers and the strings, and yeah, doesn't it doesn't it sound cool? It sounds yeah. so cool, man. It really does. Yeah, I love it. I've been singing with. Just quickly, too, that fucking bass line is insane. Where he's doing those big drags down the neck and doing the room and getting all that kind of sliding going. It's so fucking cool. And yeah, I would speak, I'd also speak to my naivety when I said I didn't realize this was about groupies, groupies, <laughs> when he says I've seen every blue eyed floozy. Um... Uh, okay, so, you know, you know, I, how, how old was I when I was listening to this? Not <laughs> clearly not very old. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, take it easy on me. Well, you know, at that age, you think, oh, he's, 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 he's singing about the dinner ladies at my school, clearly. <laughs> the ones the ones with the tabard and the beard, you know. I was going to say, uh, you know, like we could have finished the chorus there, but I was going to say the, the, uh, and, and, you know, you guys can't see this, but Kev did the big drum fill that Raj does. They're coming in, <laughs> you know, those, those killer toms oh uh, my God, coming in so big on this song. Yeah. It's, it's a really nice pickup. And then of course that brilliant chorus, right? So, yeah. yeah. But I love the, I've always liked the drum pattern in this one too, that boom, but chip boom, boom, but chip boom. So he's hitting that kick again after the snare. So he gives it that extra weight, and then, but then he, he leaves a bit more space. Boom, pacha, boom, 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 and then he lets that hang. So he's, there's a bit of space, and then when it comes back in, boom, pacha, boom. It, I, again, it's just I think all the parts of this song 
are just very, very, very cool. Yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason why this is a big international hit. <laughs> yeah. Watching the symbols too. Hey, he's really on that. On that's probably a, was it a splash? I don't think he's on the ride on that because it sounds really bright, like really crashy and. Yeah, I, I might have. Yeah, well, there's a little bit more chorus left here. Let me just listen. I'm, I can't tell okay. if it's because he's doing sloppy hats or I'm, I'm not sure. It sounds maybe bigger than that. Hey, so. Yeah, I think he's just, I think he's just uh, hitting a symbol or, or possibly yeah. a ride symbol, uh, and and just, yeah, fucking whacking, <laughs> just it. leathering the shit out of it, just <laughs> fucking cranking on it. Yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> we should watch a, we should watch a live version afterwards and see what he's playing. Like, I, I mean, again, it, it, it's so heavy. I don't know if this, well, maybe it wasn't quite the heaviest song they'd done to this point, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's certainly one of them. Just in feel. You know, jazz again, we'll talk about this later on probably where the, the production on jazz isn't always peak. Um, but I don't know, man, this song always got my blood blood boiling when I was young, you know? Yeah, and that drop D gives it that heaviness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question quickly, Randy, on that then. Brian's tuned down. Would John also have tuned his bass down? Uh, I mean, you know, he he may have, but he certainly wouldn't have to. You know, yeah. and my, my my gut feeling is that he didn't just listening to this. But there again, I'm not listening on uh, studio monitors, so it's it's kind of hard to tell. But I I don't think he did. Yeah, yeah. Does that not? I mean, I know this is pretty much a straight twelve bar blues, more or less. But I was going to say because if, you, if you're playing any sort of weird chord progression as a bass player, you're going to be watching the guitarist to see where he's going, maybe and taking your cues from what chords he's playing. So if you're playing in a different key, that would throw you off a little bit, would it not? Oh. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Not, not if you're as accomplished so. a musician as you. <laughs> well, or say John Deacon, for or example. Yeah. Deacon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. No, I don't think okay. that'd give them any trouble. No. Uh, you know, you know, I get what you're saying because you do sometimes watch hand positions when you're when you're playing with somebody else. But yeah, yeah, I don't think so. And and you're right, this is really isn't too much more than a 12 bar blues tune. So yeah. I'm going to pause it here quickly because I just want to quickly say that coming up is my favorite drum fill of all time. Hands down, no argument. It's fucking brilliant. Anyway. Okay, well then, okay, before you hit play, I was going to say, <laughs> I just love that turnaround. Da, 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 ba, da, ba, ba. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, nothing. Yeah. it's just nothing. It's just simple. It's so stupidly simple. Yeah. But I don't really know how you could do something better that would make it cooler. Do you know what I mean? You know, and you'll notice uh, that, you know, that nobody went, nobody played a lead over top and no, there was no drum fill and there was, you know, they left that. Yeah. uh, And, and then it just makes that second verse just pop. Right. So anyhow, case. Yeah, yeah, and they're open. Co- they're playing those big, sort ch- of ch- chiming open chords yeah. instead of chugging, right? So it's, it's it's so much. It gives that dynamic switch. It's that little bit of dynamics in the middle of a song. Just to yeah, this is a big, heavy song. But now he's going to brighten it up a little bit. 
give you a little bit of, you know, a bit of treble on the tone before we go back into melting your fucking face off. <laughs> all right, Kay, let's hear Kev's all-time favorite drum fill coming up. Fuck knows how many toms he has. Because that sounds like he's got about 28 toms in that drum roll, in that fill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining the sound engineer there. He's like, oh, I've got no more mics, Roger. You've got all my mics out. I mean, you know. I've you got know, eight more drums, five more fucking mics. It's like, it's like he stood on one side of the room. And then was just walking over going. Yeah. It's so fucking cool, man. And I think that's um, those that's those rototoms up at the high end, right? Yeah, it's the rototoms at the start, and it sounds like yeah. it's finishing on on the uh the toms on the kit. Yeah. 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 Genius. I love it. It's all so good. There's another one there too. You talk about that push, right? Yeah. It puts that extra chord in just to really kind of kick it a little bit. Yeah. And and doesn't that, isn't that so satisfying yeah. when you hear that? Isn't it? Because I think everybody hears that they go, bow. Yes. And you know, yeah. I'll add this too. I'll add this. And, you know, I guess if there's any modern country fans out there, you know, God love you. But doesn't, doesn't this, you can hear how modern countries take sort of taken some of these templates and just you know jammed it into their shitty fucking brand of music anyhow <laughs> not giving my hand away on how i feel about that but uh <laughs> yeah going forward absolutely i was gonna say too do you, do you get like there's almost a sense of you know because queen before i think it was before they released the first album um freddie did a song called i can hear music under the pseudonym larry lurex which i think brian and roger both played on if i remember rightly and it was a big sort of phil Spector wall of sound kind of thing and that is this has got the same quality to it. In the, in the big course, it's got the insanely multi-layered vocals. Roger's pasting the shit out of that cymbal. Ron, John's playing a lot of stuff on the bass. He's keeping and but it's just this big full-on frontal assault. There's no there's no gap in the sonic space in there at all, right? Where we get, you know, in that, in that like you said, that the the build in that little middle bit or, or the bridge, that little tiny little bridge section. But here it's just full on. It's just get everything on all the frequencies turned up to 11 and just fucking blast it. Yeah. And you've got those little um, noodly bits that Brian's putting in there as well, right? Behind the scenes now. Yeah, it sounds like there's at least at least a few, maybe three, yeah. even sort of little lead noodly bits, and some of them it sounds like they're on the slide. And you know, he's playing in drop D, so I'm not sure if if, if it's an open tuning or or just whatever. a straight, a straight, yeah, or just a straight, down. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, isn't that isn't that fun? And doesn't it sound fucking rad? I love it. Yeah, and and also. You, you, you sort of forget that this is a Brian May song. It's a Brian May rocker. There's no guitar solo. You know, this is the only place where we're getting really any big, flashy lead, and it's 
not buried exactly, but it's it's mixed back to not take away from the the riff and the and the vocal. Yeah, just yeah, just smart songwriting. And we're gonna be we're gonna be having another great little. I mean, it's a short one right at the end to to finish, but there's another pretty fucking good uh, drum fill coming up, Randy. Maybe, <laughs> and, and I know you remember it, so. <laughs> Love that too. Hey, he's coming in behind the beat. Is he space putting those chords in behind the beat instead of sitting great, on the one? It's so fucking good, man. Great, great outro. It's a great outro. Oh, good. And cool too that he doesn't end on a splash or on a, on a symbol. Hey, it just ends right on that flam, that fucking huge double snare. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, you know, because they could have and probably should have, but they didn't, and so I love it. I do worry, Randy, that I've said cool too many times in this episode. <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> honest. I think, it's, I think it's mainly all I've said. I'm going to be honest with you, Kev. Your use of cool in this episode is just really getting <laughs> out of fucking hand. <laughs> How else do you explain it, though? Oh, my God. Anyway, I mean, I think we've, I mean, we've definitely shown our hands, but what we should do at this point, Randy, is give it a quick listen through, even though we both know this song. It'd be great to just listen through just because we love this song and we enjoy it. So should we give it a quick listen through? Make Let's any do little, that. Make any little notes that we want to make so we've got some, you know, maybe... I when, think we should. You know, maybe when we listen through, we'll actually hear something we think, oh, actually, <gasps> you know what? This is pretty bad. And then, you know, we'll get into the lyrics and that stuff when we talk about the... When we do, when we do our debrief. <gasps> There they are, man. Those big choral harmonies there. Queen T11. That's that's why we're here, is for this. Listen to that slide there, Kev. It's so good, eh? Deaky high on the fretboard as well. Fuck me. Love that outro. Okay, well, before we really... So we just listened to the song again, folks, but before we do dig into this a little bit because there is some stuff to talk about with the song certainly there's you know how how do we gauge it lyrically in a in a modern context versus when it was written some of those types of things and then we talk about the you know whether we love the music or not um, but let's vote on it first randy so for you is fat bottom girls one of the champions or are you going to consign it to the dustbin And I'm, and I'm just going to tell you, Randy, without you even asking. This is what I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess we probably just wouldn't even be here if this wouldn't be a champion, right? I expect so. Now, I know that it will get downvoted on the poll. Because I know that there is a section of the fandom that the, you know, the problematic nature of some of the lyrics does outweigh the overall value of the song, but that's not the case for me. I mean, I think if you, and we'll talk about the lyrics in a second, but I think musically, this song is everything I want a rock song to be. And it's got some of the sort of the glammy T-Rex thing to it. It's got a little bit of sort of that Black Sabbath-y weight behind it with that drop D tuning, but it's just quintessential Queen overall. It just sounds like fucking Queen. It sounds like Brian May to me. Always has done. Yeah, it's it sounds like, 
It sounds like Queen in every way, shape, and form. It sounds like Queen doing a rock song, which of course they're a rock band. Yeah. Uh, and it and it's it is just I don't know. To me, I I just think it's 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 so well done. I think the vocals are outstanding. I think Brian's guitar work is outstanding. I think it's it's outstanding. Sorry. I think Roger's drumming, Dickie's bass. It's just I think it's just them all coming together. Uh, for sort of a perfect storm of a, yeah. of a rock tune. And I, and I love it's, and we had mentioned earlier, sort of it's companion, you know, bicycle race yeah. tie-ins. And, and as uh, I came around to listening to this, having those things tied together uh, and I just loved it. Uh, and at the time, of course, we didn't read a whole lot into, you know, how, uh, you know, the cultural yeah. sort of problems that, you know, I suppose we may have with it today. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's allusions to, like you said, I've seen every blue-eyed floozy on the way and sort of that. It is, I mean, dress it up any way you like. It is demeaning to, you know, women who just probably just like having sex. And whether they like having sex with musicians or any rando on the street, I don't really think is necessarily important. And that was an attitude back then that, you know, they were whores and, and floozies and everything else. And so that's not great. But I think that the the fat bottom part maybe is, is that maybe more defensible because it's, I don't know if it is, and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate, but is it, is it celebrating a non-traditional form of beauty? I think you could make that argument. I don't know if Brian May was writing it that from perspective, from that perspective, but it's not, it's not demeaning. It's not saying that being a fat bottom girl or being heavier is a bad thing. Well, is it, is it not celebrating? Yeah. Fat bottom I mean, girl? I, I, that's I, the way I always that's the way I always took it so yeah. but of course you know like I said when I listened to this the first time I was I was it was I was an immature fool and now I'm a mature fool but then I didn't have the you know the the experience I have now so that's the yeah. way I took it at the time it's like well this is a, a, an homage you know and there, there is <laughs> there is potentially a bit of pedophilia in the first <laughs> in the opening stanza right where you know, I don't. What is Big Fat Fanny doing with this young skinny lad exactly? And and what is the age difference between these two people? Because that's not okay, Randy. It's not okay. There's a power imbalance between a nanny and her ward. <laughs> <laughs> well, is he not just lusting? Does it how explicit? You know. Well, there's another thing. Is this all in the imagination? Did any of this actually happen with Big Fat Fanny, or is it just the yeah the sort of the the um the lyrical wood of a horny young teenager we will maybe we'll never know well i mean i think i think i think you've really hit it right there i think that's exactly what this is it's a fever dream i think that's what it is yeah yeah i mean I, i'm not gonna like i said i'm not gonna i'm certainly not gonna go out and defend um you know take me to them dirty ladies every time just because you wouldn't you wouldn't write that you certainly i mean i wouldn't say that and you wouldn't say that in 2023 because i think I, we've grown up i certainly wasn't you know i was definitely prone to being insensitive and stupid when i was young um yeah. now i like to think that I've, I've grown up and i'm a little bit more intellectually grounded so i certainly wouldn't defend any of those lines that are sort of being demeaning toward not sex workers exactly but you know people who are a little bit more free and liberal with their with their sexuality but overall i never sort of i don't think the intent i don't think i was ever the intent it's not like, you know, rap songs where they're talking about holes and bitches and owning people and property and all this kind of stuff. It's not that. Um, it's just a bit, it's just a bit colorblind and a bit silly, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and 
know. I, I was going to say in their defense, but I'm not really trying to defend uh, defend anything. But you know, there have been many songs written about groupies, and 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 so what, right? Yeah. So what? Uh, people have sex. People yeah. have sex with rich people, and poor people have sex with poor people, and and I, I don't know if I'm making any sense at all, except to say that. <laughs> Really, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, is it harmful? I, I don't know. I don't know how harmful it is. Well, and I, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't. If you put it up against something like, I would say, Brown Sugar, is a lot mm -hmm. more problematic than this song lyrically, right? You know, there's the songs from that era that you think, oh dear God, I watched um, uh, Jailbait by Aerosmith. Yeah. Um, the, the stuff out there, you think, nah, that I'm actually not going to listen to that now because that's not cool. I've never got that sense from this one. It's just a bit. It's a mm -hmm. bit, it's a bit mucky, right? It's just a bit dirty around the edges. It's not, it's not nasty. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not got that intent to be demeaning. I don't think. Yeah, and then, and then I guess maybe not to to beat this whole point to death too. But you know, do we do we judge artists' work from forty years ago or whatever based on today's standards, or do we base it on the standards at which in which the, it was created? And that's the way I sort of tend to want to lean. Yeah. Uh, just to give the artist the benefit of the doubt, because I wasn't there. I didn't write that song. I don't, I didn't live his life. I, 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 you know what I mean? So, uh, so I think it's unfair for us to take our, our current values and just shove them down the, you know, the, the throats of, of, uh, of an artist from, from of a song written 40 years ago. Just think in counterpoint to that though, Randy, I had an interesting conversation on my other podcast um, a few weeks. Wait, back hang on there. a second. You, you have another podcast. Yeah. I got another podcast, dude. Besides this, and I, I fly solo. I don't even what? talk to anyone. Oh, that must be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as much fun as this one. I'll tell you that. No, but I'm on, sorry. On, on, on so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. The answer to that though is is, and I think what this guy said he wrote, he wrote a book about an album that Tom Petty wrote called Southern Accents, which has some, and it was not so much the album, but the because subsequently on the tour for the album, he used a lot of Confederate imagery, which is massively problematic in the states right now mm -hmm. the point that he makes in the book is that when we say that when we sort of make that and I've, I've made that argument a million times in my life that do we judge an artist by the standards of today or by the you know the contemporary standard the problem is that there were people in 1978 who did have a problem with this there were people saying that you shouldn't talk about women that way there were people talking about body business but no one was listening and they were marginalized and they were, you know what I mean? So I I, I think yeah. that you can you can do both. You can look at it in a modern context and a contemporary context and then yeah. have a conversation about it as we've done and sort of say, we'll use mm -hmm. that as a learning point to say that, no, I wouldn't write something like this now. Plenty of people still fucking would, by the way. I wouldn't mm -hmm. write something like this now. But when it was done, what was the intent? And I think intent to me is always, that's always key. And I don't get malicious intent in this. I, I, I don't either. And uh, I'll just add if you're going to let me uh, put a cap on this, something that I try to do uh, is when you know better, you do better. Yeah. So you learn, Hey, this isn't cool anymore. So then just adjust yourself and yeah. you know, it's simple enough, right? Absolutely. Now we've done the lyrics now musically. I think this is just a fucking banger. Yeah. I love, like you said, there's, there's, it's, it sounds super simple. And for the most part it is, but there are lots of little pushes, lots of little change ups, and breakdowns that make the song really interesting. Like, like I said, coming off the beat at the end on the outro, you know, those little ding, 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 like the little hung chords in the middle. 
those huge the, drop. It's just, I don't know, man. I think dynamically, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, the turnaround in the middle is what I, I love so much. I, I, I don't know why. Like I said, it's just stupid yeah. and it's so simple, but it just it just sets it just sets everything up. It finishes that first verse and chorus, and then it sets you up for the next one. Yeah, uh, by and large, this song always sort of you know has always made me feel good. You know, so yeah. in, in a way, it, it's kind of shitty. We have to talk about about the lyrics and and how and how they don't work today but yeah uh anyhow yeah yes musically it's 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 great uh now i i am listening on earbuds and i will say this i wasn't super nuts about the snare sound but uh i should listen to it on my monitors yeah. uh, to, to to be sure but on the earbuds they were sounding the, the, the snare was sounding a bit floppy now i'm not even saying that's Raj's fault uh but but po- possibly a bit of a production issue but e- either way having said that it's like you know, that's like saying, you it's know, my, my, this is the best steak I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, but there was uh, something on my chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, the sun was in my eyes. Exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, there you go. But man, I mean, fat bottom girls, come on, man, really? Again, it, it's just, it's so, it's such a definitive queen song. It's, it's as definitive as Under Pressure, or I Want to Break Free, or Bohemian Rhapsody, or Somebody to Love It. It's one of those songs that if, you, if you're going to, if someone says, oh, I've never listened to Queen, give me a 15, 20 track playlist, this is going to be on it, surely, to fuck. Well, yeah, by my, by my estimation, it absolutely is. It would be, it would be up, up at the top part of it. Just musically, it's so good, man, it's so good. And that drum fill, still, I still, <laughs> like it, it just, I mean, I've tried, I mean, I don't have a big enough kit, obviously, but even just trying to get the timing to play those eighth notes that many times that well is not as easy as roger taylor makes it fucking sound yeah it's it's ridiculous hey and you'll note too that's a such a thing of of the the day those big drum fills they don't do this they don't do that anymore. no no you know what i mean yeah. uh yeah so it's pretty cool it's i mean it's definitely a bit of uh you know Hey guys, look at me. Yeah. Look how many drums yeah. I've got. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, by the way, have you seen my roto toms? <laughs> but it fits this song so perfectly. And it, it doesn't does. always fit, right? Like, you know, I'm just thinking about all the hair metal bands in the 80s where they when they do, it's like, oh, come on. It's just crap. Like just the song doesn't warrant it. There's not enough meat to the song to support such a weighty drum fill when you got Roger Taylor sitting in behind this fucking guitar riff. Well. No, that's a match made in heaven, right? <laughs> and I, did, I was reading too, Randy. Did you, did you read? Did you see that when we were doing a little research that um, this was one of the songs, or maybe the main song that influenced another seminal rock and roll classic by the uh, you know much maligned, I would say, English um, rock band Spinal Tap, who mm-hmm. wrote a song called Big Bottom, which was again mm-hmm. sort of I think unfairly slammed in the press for perceived misogyny in the lyrics. <laughs> Talk about bum cakes, my girl's got him. I mean, what's misogynistic about that? <laughs> was it perceived? <laughs> <laughs> Correctly perceived, I think. Is the... Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know, maybe we're the fools in this one. I have no idea. Well, I mean, we are fools. Whether we're the fools in this one, I don't know. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Okay, Randy, um, one thing I did want to start doing a little bit more consistently is making a prediction. What way do you think the poll is going to go on this one? Do you think it's going to be in favor uh, of, is it going to be a champion or is it going to bite the dust? And in what ratio? Okay, so, I mean, I think this, of all, you know, everything we've done so far, this is going to be 
overwhelming a champion. And I'm going to give you a number because I know there's going to be the contrarians. So and I'm going to put the contrarians at 1%. So I'm going to give a 99% approval rating on this one. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, wow. so and I say that because why are you even commenting on a poll about Queen <laughs> if you don't like Queen or this song? And so I, I just I just estimate there's only about 1% of the people that are belligerent enough to log on to a poll that they have no business <laughs> logging on to just to downvote it for no fucking reason. How about you, Kev? Maybe, maybe they've got a good reason, Randy. You never know. You're being very dismissive of people's opinions there, Mr. Woods. Oh, I would expect you... better from you. <laughs> I don't know why. I shouldn't, but I am going to go... And it, this this might surprise you. I'm going to be specific about this. I'm going to go 83% champion, and I'm going to go 17% bites the dust. Hmm. So there, what do you think of that? Well, I, I think that's unfounded and needless. But uh, <laughs> what's your logic there, Kev? You just think there's 17% of the Queen I fans think, are contrarians or what? Yeah, I mean, just being around the sort of the, the ecosystem a little bit in the last you know year or so, I think there are enough people who find the lyric problematic enough or just don't think it's a great song that they'll downvote it. So, but I think they're wrong. But there we go. Well, you know what, mate? I mean, you're sitting there in Flin Flon, I'm sitting here in Saskatoon. Um, mm -hmm. People are sitting in other parts of the world. We actually, do you know? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here. Mm -hmm. In, I'm going to take, I'm just going to take a, a country, just pick one out of the, I'm going to pick two countries out of thin air. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to pick um, Turkey, mm -hmm. and I'm going to pick uh, Norway. Mm -hmm. Now, which market would you say that we have peaked the highest in, in terms of our podcast, Randy? <laughs> Norway or Turkey? Ah. <sighs> Turkey. We, at one point on March 24th of this year, were the number two music commentary podcast in the country of Turkey. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with the people of Turkey that they have nothing better to do? You know what? I think, I think we need to go on a, a, a mission to Turkey. I mean, to, to get these people, uh, get, you know, get your earbuds out of your yeah. ears. They're Turkey people and go out and do some shit. What do you listen to us losers for? If we do go over there, I think we should go to Istanbul, not Constantinople. Because <laughs> you know what? Whether the, whether we get to number 24 or number two, that is nobody's business but the Turks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I don't know if our English friends will get that joke because I don't I can't remember that whether that song was big in the UK. So anyway. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, Randy. We're just talking gibberish again. This is what always happens at the end of the podcast record. So Yeah, well, you know, and in a way I blame you, but uh You always do. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's easy. You're there. Hey, listen, of a... listen, 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 my man. Listen, my good friend. You were mm -hmm. talking to one fifth of the chronic master bowlers bowling team who sit as the reigning, defending two time Saskatoon Tuesday night Fairhaven bowling league champions. So put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it. So I'll tell you what, the next time I see you, instead of kissing your ass, I'll kiss your ring. I'd really rather you didn't <laughs> and on that note folks we will say no on that note we will give the last word as we always do to Freddie Mercury good night good night
Hey friends, I'm going to ride a bicycle race and I'm going to get Kev to ride it for me. Because if he can ride a bike like he runs his mouth, I am sure to win. Thank you for listening to Seaside Pod Review. If I was to title this episode, I'd call it Fat Bottom Girls, or possibly Let's Not Judge a Book by its 1970s cover. We'd sure like to know what you think about Queen, so drop us a line on Facebook at Seaside Pod Review or on Twitter at Queen Seaside. And if you get some time, want to go for a walk, smell the flowers, kiss the sky. We'll see you next week for another episode of Seaside Pod Review. Yes, Kevin. Seaside Park Review. I'm just a musical prostitute, my dear.